What's happening, hardscapers? This is episode 24 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk to you about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. Today, we're joined by Jeff Dross. He's the Director of Education and Industry Trends for Kitchler. He talks with us about landscape lighting and how you can sell it to your clients and how to install it. This is a great interview to get you started on offering a new service to your clients and adding more value to their investment. If you're not installing landscape lighting yet, this is the year to start. I really believe this is the feature that'll bring a lot of beauty to a project and it is easy to install and brings with it a lot of potential for profits. And without further ado, here's our interview with Jeff Dross. Today we are joined by Jeff Dross. He is the Director of Education and Industry Trends for Kitchler, and he's here to talk with us today about landscape lighting. Jeff, thank you for so much for taking the time out of your day and joining us on the show. No problem. It's my pleasure, Mike. Jeff, let's get started to get to know a little bit more about yourself and Kitchler Lighting. Can you give us a little bit of a background of yourself and Kitchler? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. So like almost every uh, young person who was going to school, I needed a part-time job. And because I was going to an engineering school, uh, the uh, companies in the Cleveland area would oftentimes call the school and ask if there was anybody at the school that needed a part-time job doing some uh, drafting. I'm an old guy, so I was doing drafting with a pencil and a T-square and a triangle. Uh, Anyway, they called, asked if there was somebody that needed a job. I said, sure, I could use one. Interviewed, and in 1974, I started my career in lighting. At that time, there wasn't a lot of uh, landscape lighting being used, but Kishler is actually a a full-bodied manufacturer. So we do interior lighting, exterior lighting, portable fans at this point. At that time, we didn't. And I started my career in engineering. So for about 25 years here, I spent supervising and managing the engineering department. And then Kishler moved me into product management and ultimately into this uh, job that I have right now. Amazing. And what about Kitchler Lighting? For those who have not heard of uh, of Kitchler or any sort of landscape lighting before, what does Kitchler offer uh, in terms of a product lineup for landscapers? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, Kitchler uh, was actually started in 1938. So we have been around for a really long time. We started obviously making residential lighting. So most of the product that we sold from those early days were interior lighting, so the chandelier that's in your dining room and the wall sconce that's in your bathroom and uh, the front door light, the hardwired product. In uh, 1991, Kishler entered the low-voltage landscape lighting uh, business. And from that point forward, it it really uh, became a very, very important part of our entire lighting portfolio. Uh, We were the first company to actually come up with a complete line of integrated LED when LED came around. So a lot of a lot of companies at the time were playing around with LED, didn't quite know what to do with it, and we decided to jump in with both feet and uh, developed a wonderful integrated LED product. And from that point forward, many, many contractors kind of switched from the halogen-based or the incandescent-based uh, lamping 
and started using LED. Since that point, we've continued to develop these uh, very strong collection of integrated LED. We've now also gotten to a little bit more of a light commercial product line as well. So there's a line voltage, light commercial line. A lot of product available for the landscaper and the person who's doing some residential landscape lighting as well as some light commercial. Amazing. Now, Jeff, a lot of uh, companies when they're starting out, they're not offering things like lighting. And I see so much value for a landscape company to start offering lighting to their customers in their designs and uh, it's it's just such a great opportunity opportunity to expand what you can sell to your customer. Now, why do you think landscaping companies should be offering this to their customers? What what do you see the benefits of uh, adding this, say, to a landscaping company's uh, services that they can offer? Sure. Uh, well, you know, I think it's an actually a, a natural fit. The one thing that's I think is probably the most apparent. We spend a lot of hours doing the work and our customers spend a lot of money paying for us to do some beautiful landscape work, but it's only visible during the day. So as soon as the sun sets, all of that work and all of the money that they spent basically gets unnoticed. But if you have a wonderful design and you add lighting to it, you now have the ability to extend that beauty and that work that you've done into the into the evening. And, and that becomes actually really important because uh, one of the reasons why folks are spending money on outdoor space is because they're trying to extend the use. So perhaps they have a house that's maybe smaller than they had hoped. Maybe they thought they were going to upgrade and things happen and they decided that they're just going to use more outdoor space. By adding the lighting, you actually extend that usable space throughout the evening. So if you've added, you know, um, let's say a 200, 300 square foot uh, patio off the back of a home uh, without any lighting, as soon as it becomes dark, you really can't do much with it. But if you add that lighting, it then becomes a very, very usable uh, space. And it really becomes an added piece of the home. The other thing that I think is a really, uh, maybe even a more practical reason, you know, when landscapers come into into a yard, uh, they are obviously going to make a big mess before they make it beautiful. And all of you who have ever done landscaping know that before you have this fabulous uh, finished product, you've got a lot of things that are uh, that are put into disarray. The the client might in fact need to park someplace else. It could be as 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 much as that. So while you've got all of that, all the yard, all of the all of the uh, walkways, etc., kind of in disarray, it's probably a great time to start laying in the necessary wire for uh, landscape lighting. It's the perfect time to do all this. It's kind of like if you're thinking about interior electricity. You always want to make all of the electrical wires and connections in the wall before you put the drywall up. Because if you do it later, that means you have to tear up the drywall. You have to then repair the drywall. Same kind of situation here in a, in a landscape. You've already got the yard in disarray. You haven't placed all of the all of the finishing touches in, pl- in position. So why not lay that wire in place? Bury it, you know, according to all the specific codes that might be required in your particular area, and it can be um, much more cost effective. 
And uh, I think probably the last thing that if you've talked to almost anybody who does landscape lighting or respects lighting or pays attention to it, lighting makes a good design simply look better. And if you have a great design, uh, you then have, you know, a, a, f- a photograph worthy uh, result. It just does a beautiful job and makes that uh, makes that space look wonderful. Absolutely. And uh, we're sold on the idea of l- landscape lighting for our clients. And like you said, there's so many benefits to being able to offer this to your client, especially since that yard is already ripped up and that, that labor that went into ripping up that yard is already done. So you might as well run some wire and sell some lights while you're at it. But how can we sell the idea of landscape lighting to our clients? Have you heard of any really unique ideas from different contractors or people in the field that they've done in order to sell the idea of landscape lighting to their clients? Well, there's a there's a couple of, uh, of different ways. One of the most creative uh, that that I've seen, if you actually have one person in the neighborhood that you're doing some work for, what often happens is you uh, you get a lot of envy growing in the neighborhood <laughs> and what some very successful landscape lighting contractors have done is uh, either put a door hanger if those are you know if those are approved in the neighborhood that you might be working in uh, which essentially says, hey, did you see the um, the lighting down at one two three four five uh, Elm Street? Uh, I can do that. I've done it for them. I can do it for you. And oftentimes this envy will result in multiple jobs on the very street simply because they've seen that uh, that beautiful job that you've done already. Short of that, if you're just coming to talk to somebody about their landscape assignment or the landscape task that they are looking for, one of the most important things is in the portfolio of all your work is to have a photograph of a well-lit landscape lighting job. So you can you can do, uh, I've seen uh, some contractors do it uh, different ways, but one of the contractors has a beautiful job and then he has a picture of the house at night without any lights on. So he said, okay, you know, here's the job that you've just done or that I've just done for you. It's beautiful, but here we are in the dark and we can't see it. And then right next to it is a photograph with that space lit and to really see the difference that it's going to make. So, you know, he has the completed job and then he has the house at night and then the the space lit at night. Uh, now, that does require a nighttime photography and some of us are comfortable with that. Some of us are not. If you're not the kind of uh, person who's comfortable taking nighttime photography, you know, find a buddy who does, who is, or hire a professional photographer who knows exactly how to take nighttime uh, photography. There is a little bit of an art to that particular science. You've got uh, about a 15-minute window of opportunity to take uh, almost perfect spots, perfect shots, but that would be very helpful. Uh, one of the other ways, one of the other techniques that that I think is very helpful is simply giving the clients a list of homes that uh, you have lit in the past. So stop by it at um, on, on Oak Street and take a look at this house at night. So the client can drive by during the day to look at the landscape job and they can drive by at night to look at the lighting job. There's a couple practical 
aspects that you can uh, certainly talk to clients about. Safety is probably one of the one of the things that they may in fact be concerned with. So you know you have paths and steps and patios that that have been installed in a landscape. And if your friends and relatives and kids and grandparents can't successfully walk down a path without falling off the pathway into the grass, or if they don't know where the steps are, those can be safety concerns. The addition of light on steps and and pathways, and frankly, if it's a raised patio, can be very, very helpful uh, just from a very practical standpoint. And then... I think most people are concerned about security, uh, the security of their home. Uh, lighting does add that security. But what's wonderful about landscape lighting is that it's not simply buying one of those big, huge security lights that uh, that they sell at the big box stores with that big, huge beam of light aiming at you. That really isn't a security light. Landscape lighting is a security light because what it does is it aims the bulk majority of that lighting in a downward direction. It doesn't become a glare bomb, doesn't poke you in the eye with light. It lights the environment that you're uh, that you're at. And you don't want that glare. Think about glare when you're driving down a freeway and somebody on the opposite side of the road has their bright headlamps on. And, you know, how well can you see with that oncoming car? Well, that's exactly the the kind of lack of security that you get from those big, bold, bright security lights. They don't really help. They actually blind you at night. You know, we can see really, really well in the evening when it's dark outside. Our eyes adapt very, very well to a dark environment. So all we need is just a little bit of assistance and a little bit of help. And that's the kind of security that landscape uh, lighting can really add to a house. And I guess the one last thing is kind of what we alluded to at the very beginning. You want to show off maybe a little bit. Of course, none of us like to admit that, but a lot of us say, well, you know, it's my house. I'm very proud of it. I want to uh, I want to show it off. I'll, I'll tell you a small little story. I have obviously landscape lighting on, on my house. And when people uh, meet me for the first time and I tell them who I who I am, they almost inevitably say, oh, you're the guy with the house with the lights because my house is so uh, definitively different. And my wife and I were lucky enough to have won a community improvement award in the city that we live in because we bought a house that was in a little bit of rough shape and we turned it into a very nice home. And when we won this award, they announced at the at the awards ceremony that if you think the house looks nice now, you should see what this house looks like at night. It's stunning. So, lots of lots of reasons how you or lots of ways that you can sell that lighting to the to the customer and the client. Yeah, and uh I mean just so many interesting aspects that I haven't even thought about before uh that you mentioned there. You talked about uh you know people become envious of that house that has something done to it. And landscape lighting is that perfect thing that when you see it at night, people become envious about. And we've gone into subdivisions that we felt, you know, if we did this house with landscape lighting, we could sign up a bunch of these houses. So we actually go in and sometimes do a discounted rate on our installation just to get that first house, just to, become, just to you know, set that trend for that, that community there. 
And and you do find that there is a very we want what the Joneses want type of attitude in, in a neighborhood, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. So just uh, yeah, just hearing you say that just made me smile a little bit. That you know that's exactly what we what we see as well in our business. And another thing you talked about briefly there was the the that Kitchler makes these these lighting these landscape lighting where. You know, the source of the light is actually, it's hidden from the eye, so you don't get that glare. It's using the, the lighting of the vegetation. It's bouncing off the vegetation or it's bouncing off the floor. And that's, that's the, you know, the quality of, of what Kitchler offers their customers that that light's not going to blind the people walking through it. And that's the quality of good landscape lighting design as well. Mm-hmm. You should always, uh, sculpt with the light. You should not see the light source or the smallest amount of sight of the light source that you should. That's what you should strive for, Uh, because, you know, you're you're attempting to either light the architecture, lighting yard art that might have been placed in the yard, lighting the foliage, lighting the plants, the trees, the pathways. Those are the goal. You want to add light to those. You don't want to see that light source. This is a complete opposite of what you're doing when you get in inside a house. You put a chandelier in the dining room because it really is a beautiful piece and it matches the uh, furniture. And, oh, yes, it does provide some light. But with landscape lighting, it's just the opposite. You're not so concerned with the beauty of the product. You're more concerned with how well it performs in the way that it lights whatever whatever task you happen to be uh, connecting to that product. Absolutely, and great, excellent information just to be able to share with our audience. Now, when it comes to choosing the right products for a customer, uh, whether, you know, whatever the task is for the landscape lighting, what do we need to, as installers, need to be able to consider when choosing the different aspects of that install, including the, the transformer, the wiring, and the actual product that's going to be installed for the lighting? Well, you know, the the real key here is to have that conversation with the client. So you've you've had the conversation with the client, you understand what they're looking for. You know, I want to have space to walk, the dog needs some place to to do uh to run around in a circle. There needs to be a spot for garbage cans. So you have that same conversation, but you start extending it and say, "Well, what about the evening? How are you going to use this this space in the evening? Well, you know, we're never going to go way back there in the evening. That's that's off guards. But we're going to be here on the patio. But we want to be able to sit here on the patio and have, a, you know, a really nice view of the backyard. And then uh, the front yard. Well, you know, I want you to light my house. It's uh, I spent a lot of money on the house or... Or it is, uh, you know, an architecturally significant piece of uh, piece that I want to make sure is lit well. Uh, so I want to do that. I want to make sure that my friends can make it up the front walkway without falling down. I have in my house. I happen to have two little steps at the end of my walkway. Um, no one knows they're there. So one of my goals when I was lighting my front pathway was to make sure I had some light at those two steps that are kind of hidden away and really unnoticed if it's the first time that you were to visit the house. So you're going to ask those questions just like you ask the questions when you're configuring the design for the uh, yard. 
And then once you start figuring out where those are, then you start placing the products. So the first, the first thing would be to, you know, assemble or locate each of the products and then start building the wire between those products. If you'd like them to turn on at exactly the same time, then, you know, one, one daisy chain collection of wire is going to work fine. But if you, if in fact you're trying to have them turn on and off at different times, you might want to have multiple transformers. You typically want to try and find a place where the transformer can be located near a grounded CO, and there are different electrical requirements uh, in you know different areas. So make sure you check you check with your electric codes. But most people need that grounded uh, outdoor service with a with a, an outdoor covered box. So you want to have that transformer near that space. You want to mount it there, and there should be soil underneath that underneath that location because. Wire needs to be buried about six inches below. Again, uh, that's, that is a U.S. standard. I honestly don't know what the standard is in Canada, but I, be- Canada, but I believe it is also the same six-inch depth. So your wire is going to come out of the transformer. It's going to immediately go six inches into the soil below it. So if you had, for example, some hardscape or some uh, patio or concrete paving, it would be very difficult for you to get that service over to the first lighting fixture on the wire. So, you know, not impossible. You can, that can all be built in, especially if you happen to be the contractor that's laying the pavement. You can always bury that wire underneath the concrete and put it in some sort of a conduit so that you could pull back if it, you know, if it needs to be rewired at some point in the future. And you have to make sure that that wire is all buried at six uh, inches below. And then you go from the transformer to the first lighting fixture, make a connection and daisy chain to the second, to the third, to the fourth, to the fifth. And then once you've determined how many lighting products that you're going to to uh, use in that particular run or that particular area, uh, very, very large spaces might require two transformers. You might have one in the backyard, one in the front yard, depending on how large the project is. Once you figure out how many lighting fixtures you're going to use and what kind of a load they are going to create based on their volt amps, you can then determine what size transformer you need. So you kind of work this backwards. You don't buy a transformer and then load it up. You understand what type of load you're going to have and buy a transformer that will that will uh, deliver that necessary amount of uh, power. Like you said, working backwards is, is important in this and uh, deciding, you know, how many fixtures you're going to have to make the decision on what transformer you're going to use. Because I remember on my very first landscape lighting installation, and this is going to be embarrassing, but... <laughs> it's okay, I, we've all done it. So yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> but uh, I purchased the biggest, not the biggest transformer, but a, a very large transformer, just thinking that, you know what, this is going to cover me. But, it, but I only had like four fixtures that I was installing and... And then I realized that, you know, that those aren't going to turn on with that type of transformer because the, the, the amount of, what is it? The watts that you use should be at least half of the transformer. Or? Was that, yeah. So you, you may have had a minimum, minimum load transformer, uh, at, at the time. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's even more, it's even more of a concern now. Well, not even, not so much a concern, but it's more of an issue now. Because LEDs uh, consume so very little power, mm-hmm. 
So in the past, having a 600-watt or a 900-watt installation was very, very common. And now, you know, not a lot of people are getting over 200 or 300 watts simply because – simply because the LED just does not pull that much power. Mm-hmm. So that's and, – and, of course, transformers are expensive. You know, inside the transformer is nothing but a bunch of copper. And we all know what the price of copper is. So the more copper you're buying, the more expensive that transformer is going to become. So you want to buy a transformer that's going to be a good size, but you also don't want to undercut yourself. So after you've designed the property, what happens, and you may be able to to attest uh, to this uh, as well, customers will always come back and say, boy, you know, I really love what you did, but could we get a little bit more light over here? Mm -hmm. And they want two or three more to come in, and, you know, you're more than happy to do that if you've got a little bit of additional playroom left in that transformer, if you've got a little bit of forgiveness. Uh, you don't want to load that transformer up to 99% of the power, and then when they say, can you put one more path light here because we've got a dark spot, uh, you have to say no, or you have to charge them for a larger transformer. The better bet is to just make sure you've got, you've got plenty of room on there to add a little bit, uh, a little bit of addition because oftentimes customers will come back and, and ask for that. You know, we get a couple of questions every now and then from other landscaping companies when it comes to lighting installation. And two of those specific questions are uh, about the transformer and about the wire, choosing the right uh, gauge wire for for a project. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the installation of a transformer? If, if you need to put in a post or where you can mount it to and uh, yeah, maybe starting with the transformer. Obviously, the the, uh, the easiest and probably the most common way to mount a transformer is right along the foundation, right alongside or next to the power supply or the CO, that's uh, the grounded uh, CO that's uh, on the outside of your home. So that's probably the easiest. If you have to put it on a post, then you want to make sure that you've got a post that is buried and and extremely solid. So don't pound a two by four a foot and a half into the ground and mount it to the two by four. It's certainly not going to hold that up. So you want to be as conscious of that as 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 possible. You you're going to need to have that, you know, four by four post buried a couple of feet into the ground. And you know, obviously, you're you're going to want to be sensitive to some even some freeze lines if you happen to be in an area that's that's got a lot of freezing and thawing. So your 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 freeze lines are probably a little bit deeper the further north we go. If you're going to do that, make sure you've got a really sound four by four post built into that foundation. And then the wire with LED uh, right now. Unless you are really, really traveling long distances, uh, the 12-gauge wire does have a tendency to be about as large as you have to go. Mm-hmm. Now, if you happen to, you know, have, if you happen to have to travel a couple hundred feet from the transformer to the first lighting fixture, you might mean you might need to get up to a 10-gauge. In most cases, that 12-gauge wire in most installations, most residential installations, that 12-gauge wire is probably going to do the trick. Make sure you're buying the uh, that you're using the 12-gauge in-ground direct berry wire. 
because that's that's going to be important for to meet your building codes. You also have to be sensitive to uh, whether or not your particular municipality or your province is is requiring. Uh, some sort of licensure on your part, or or it, it, there has to be some sort of a electrical approval once it's been installed. So you, you should know that uh, based on the municipality up front so that you know what you're dealing with. Okay. Yeah, but right now with LED, in the past, in the past with the incandescent lighting, you would typically have to go with uh, a number of different types of gauges of wire. And that what that gauge of wire would allow you to make those longer runs, allow you to maintain sort of a consistency of light output between the products. But with LED, and especially with Kishler's LED, regardless of the input, uh, you know, they are, they are basically providing equal output. So whether or not there's a 9-volt input or a 15-volt input, the output the light output is going to be equal so that's what uh, that's one of the advantages of led in the past you'd have to go with these different gauges of wire from the transformer to the uh, to the light source to try to maintain some consistent light output thank goodness that's something that we don't have to deal with any longer but yeah for the most part think about your 12 uh, think about 12 gauge you know there uh, you can do those calculations and there are ways to do those calculations which uh, you know are probably best <laughs> for not, not have me explain those for sure yeah absolutely It'll take us an hour and a half of, <laughs> of very boring math but um you know if you look online you can take a look at some of those calculations for longevity but but for all intents and purposes even out to you know a neighborhood of of um, let's say 200 feet with about 10 uh four or five watt um, LED, uh, you're really not gonna you're not gonna fall under the amperage minimum, and you're gonna have a pretty consistent light output. So that a lot of those concerns are probably coming from people who used to do the incandescent, realized it was a was a little bit of a stinker to figure out some of these things. And, you know, now they're coming back and looking at it again because uh, LED has made a lot of that much easier. I mean, I'd say the last thing that I'd want to touch on the installation would be at each fixture, we generally leave like a two foot or so loop just in case uh, the customers maybe wants to move it this way or that way. uh, Or, you know, there's a problem with the wiring to be able to rewire it. Uh, Any other like tips or tricks like that that we should be aware of when we're doing the landscape lighting installation? That's a, that's a wonderful tip, yeah. I, and, you know, the one thing that uh, I think everyone in the business knows is plants grow. <laughs> I, that's not a secret. I, I didn't just reveal uh, uh, the crown jewel uh, secrets here. Uh, because they grow, we want to make sure that uh, when we come and do our yearly adjustments on the lighting – that we have the ability to dig up a little bit of that extra wire that you've looped around at each piece and move it around. Uh, the other thing that I think is important, Kishler does now sell a VLO product, and it's called a variable light output. That's what VLO stands for. So let's say that you've lit uh, you know, maybe a two-foot 
shrub of some sort at the very uh, beginning of the of the landscape install but you know that this guy's going to grow to be a five foot or or six foot uh, mature plant so uh, when you first install that light you can dial the amount of light that that pops out of the lighting fixture to a very low level and as you come back for the yearly adjustments or the yearly cleaning of the fixtures or whatever your whatever your maintenance contract might in fact be with the with the lighting you can adjust the light output so maybe uh maybe 2 years down the road it's now a 3 and a half foot piece you've pulled it back an extra 6 inches from that loop of wire that you've added and you jump up the light output to the medium level so that it's giving you a little bit more to cover that now slightly larger a plant. And then, you know, five years later, when it's come to some sort of a maturity and you might need to pull that fixture off further back again and then go to the third level of light output. So those are that's, I think, a really um, th- that's one of the technology advances that you're seeing with LED and going to have that variable light output that can be adjusted as needed as the the plants mature. And just to be able to simply do that with like a, a magnet, right? That's what the Kitchler system yeah, uses. Ours are, our, Kitchler's are magnetic controlled. You're right. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a, it's a rare earth magnet and it doesn't have an exposed a dial or button. And the reason for that is because remember, and this is this is really important. Remember that LEDs are electronics; they are basically semiconductors. So think about what would happen if you if you left your computer out in the rain. Wouldn't work very well, right? So that's because it's all a bunch of semiconductors and it's all a bunch of computer chips. Well, this lighting is exactly that same thing. So in order for there to be some longevity with the product, all of those electronics need to be sealed. So as soon as you have an exposed dial or an exposed button, that is an invitation for moisture. And, you know, if any of you have tried to solve a leaky roof problem or a leaky basement problem, you know that water will find a way to get in. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can avoid that is to completely seal that. And so the key with good LED engineering is to have a completely sealed electronics component. And if we were to put a dial that would, if we did not have this magnetic um, use, we would not be able to seal it. There'd be some opening that would allow that electronics to get access to that button or that dial or whatever you might happen to put in there. But the magnet works without interrupting that hermetically sealed pile of electronics. Interesting. I never actually thought about why it was a magnet that was used for it. And that's <laughs> fascinating, actually. Yeah, it, well, it is. And when the engineering folks, the guys that came up with the idea, told me about it, I said, well, wow, that's a great idea. Because, you know, if you want to adjust something, you've got to you've got to do something mechanical, right? Mm-hmm. Or you would think you have to do something mechanical. What happens if you didn't? have to do something mechanical. What happens if you could do something that was an electronic switch as opposed to a magnetic switch? So, yeah. Kind of rounding out this interview, uh, Jeff, is there is there any other features similar to that that uh, Kitchler offers with their landscape lighting or any, any products that you want to highlight on the landscape lighting lineup uh, as we kind of close out this interview? 
Well, the one thing I guess I would just remind everybody that, you know, lighting right now is in this transition period. We had used uh, light bulbs. Uh, We have trained ourselves uh, as humans to be lighting fixture maintenance and service technicians. All of us have got a closet full of light bulbs in our house for all the different lighting fixtures in that home. That is a technology that is a function that is going to be leaving humans. Lighting is going to be an integrated entity that we are going to purchase. So you see on on the market right now a number of products that are buy an LED light bulb and put it into an incandescent lighting fixture. Or you can buy an LED candelabra light bulb and put it into a candelabra socket. But we are slowly but surely moving uh, to a situation where lighting is going to be integrated. Uh, LEDs will last for about forty to 50,000 hours. If you use those six hours a day, that's somewhere between 18 and 23 years. So uh, products are going to be kind of like a refrigerator. You know, we buy a refrigerator, we plug it in, it keeps everything cool, keeps our beer cold, and then one day it just stops working. So what do we do? We unplug it, we throw it in the in the garbage, and we buy a new refrigerator. And the new refrigerator is going to be way better than the one that we just replaced. That is what's going to be happening to uh, to lighting. We are going to be buying these integrated lighting products and lighting is going to have a 23 or a 25 year lifespan, uh, depending on how we use it. And then we're going to replace it. And the thing that we replace it with is going to be substantially better and a lot more current. So keep in mind that that integrated LED is the wave of the future. It's the way we're going to be lighting the inside of our homes. It's going to be the way we are already lighting our landscape lighting in, in almost every case. And that we, as as humans, are not going to be lighting maintenance and service repair people. Mm. <laughs> it's just not going to be part of what we do. And if you have grandkids, the likelihood that they will know how to change a light bulb is going to be almost unknowable. They just simply are not uh, are not going to uh, understand that concept. And I guess from a practical standpoint, the only other advice I would tell you, if you if you haven't designed any lighting, if you don't know anything about lighting, experiment on your own property. Mm-hmm. Um, don't experiment on on, on a paying client's uh, uh, property. Uh, I work with a gentleman here that that trains landscape installers. And by his own admission, his house is probably not the best lit house on the street. His neighbor, which he did, is much better than his. And the reason for that is because he's constantly experimenting. He's constantly taking a fixture out of the ground and putting a new one in. And he wants to see what the new product looks like. And he wants to compare it with the old product. So if you were to drive by the house, you'd say, boy, that's not really a very good landscape lighting job. But the neighbor looks wonderful. Uh, and there's that. And that's, that is be for a very uh, good reason. I have some wires in my my own property that are sticking up above the ground. I don't want them like that. They shouldn't be like that. But when something new comes along and I want to give it a test drive, it's pretty easy for me to then hook it right into that exposed wire that's uh, in my property. So experiment on your own property. 
and do great work on your clients. Absolutely, which brought me uh, brought up something in my mind that I quickly want to bring up uh, as we close out this interview, Jeff, is that in my truck, whenever I go to do an estimate or do a quote or close out a job even, I always have two transformers and four or so uplights that I bring to, to everyone that I'm trying to sell on landscape lighting so that I can leave them with, I can leave my customer with that for the night. I'll plug it in for them. I'll show them how it works so that they can actually see it at night, what it looks like, and they can play around with it themselves. It's a great selling tool that I use to always have that in my truck with me, and I can give it to a customer and let them experiment with it. Yeah, it, it's uh, there's there's lots of wonderful techniques to get people interested and excited uh, excited about it. There was a, a contractor here in um, in the Massachusetts area that would go to new home developments and he'd agree to put some landscape lighting in the model homes for free, provided as he was given all of the referrals to each of the people who are building a home, and he'll come back in with the landscaper and do that lighting job and he said he was very very successful with that technique and then once the model home was sold then the the agreement was they paid for that particular landscape job at whatever rate they had agreed upon so yeah lots of different techniques lots of different selling ideas you know i think a picture is worth a thousand words if you can take photographs of great stuff and play around with it experiment with it you know the these uh, mobile phones have got fabulous cameras that can really make up for a whole lot of poor skills for most of us <laughs> on the phone and you know take great photographs and share it on your social media make sure you post it on your website and uh, when people see that the, the beautiful results of landscape lighting they get really excited about it I feel like landscape lighting is that if you put it in words, it's maybe not as uh, appealing. But if you just show somebody, then they're totally sold on it. They are. Yeah, absolutely. And and then, it, you know, it kind of it multiplies very quickly once once that first person has it in the, in the neighborhood. You know, I put landscape lighting in my neighborhood. I live in this historic district. And now there are about 10 of us who have landscape lighting in the uh, in the neighborhood. So, um, you know, it, it multiplies quickly. Absolutely. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and joining us here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Uh, and uh, hope if, uh, if anybody is looking for some information on Kishler, I'd invite you to go to uh, com and uh, take a poke around. There's lots of images, lots of ideas, and lots of information that you can find about landscape lighting as well as the interior products that Kishler sells as well. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. Visit us at howtohardscape.com for more information on this subject. And let us know what you want to learn more about in the future episodes by reaching out to us on our social channels. We are at howtohardscape everywhere and contact at howtohardscape.com if you want to email us. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes if that's where you're listening to it. It really helps us get this podcast out there and to get more guests onto the show. And thank you for listening in. We love everyone sharing this podcast and uh, reaching out to us and letting us, us know, you know, the different things that they took value from in each episode. So thank you to everyone listening, sharing, and reaching out to us. We really appreciate it. We look forward to meeting with you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.